This show is brought to you by Zumio. Welcome to the Human Capital Show, a podcast with the sole focus to help you achieve an equipoise in the HR world. If you are looking for a one-stop shop to learn about leveraging the power of SaaS in HR, you've come to the right place. So grab that cup of coffee, kick back and relax your mind, and hone in on our conversations. Buckle up for an in-depth ride to HR on the Human Capital Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Human Capital Show. In this episode, SaaS industry co-founder Benjamin Matthew has a virtual sit-down with Kevin Blake, Vice President and Global Learning Advisor Lead at City Commercial Bank. Ben explores Kevin's journey as an HR and learning and development professional, his insights into the future of SaaS in the L&D space, and navigating through a post-pandemic era. Listen on and enjoy. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the show. We've got Kevin Blake, who is the Vice President, uh, Learning Advisor Lead at Citibank with us today. And he is no stranger to the SaaS world, and you'll get to know why in a moment. Hey, Kevin, and welcome to the show. Hi, Ben. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me and really excited to be here. It's a, it's our pleasure, and it, we're so happy to have you here. Um, just for the... Just for the audience here, um, would you mind uh, giving a brief about um, what you do at City and uh, what your title and position is there, with along with a bit of responsibilities as well? Sure. Uh, so I am the learning advisor for an area of the bank called Commercial Bank, and I support everything from the learning strategy to uh, really understanding what are some of the needs that our people have and designing programs and solutions that's going to help resolve those needs. So on a day-to-day, I could be doing anything from joining a strategy meeting to uh, setting up focus groups with employees to just learn more about what some of their challenges are. So for me, it's really robust um, role and opportunity to to provide learning opportunities for for everyone in the bank. Oh, that's phenomenal! And um, just so that the the, the listeners um, don't gang up against me, um, I did mention to them that you have a bit of uh, history with SaaS and SaaS products. Uh, could you also give us a bit of your history and your journey to Citibank as well? Sure. Um, so I actually had my master's in industrial organizational psychology and spent my time in grad school focusing on organizational culture and how we create behavioral change that's going to align our employees to the organization's goals and, and mission. So through that time, I spent a variety of my, my internships in, in grad school uh, just trying different areas of the HR space. So I had a kind of a general HR internship. I had a talent acquisition internship. Um, and then I had an internship in learning and development, which is where I, I decided um, I would be able to best align my skills to, uh, to you know, support organizations. So it was wow. during my time um, in my internships, I actually worked um, for uh, a SaaS organization, um, you know, and we we had a great opportunity to help, um, you know, mid-sized to larger organizations develop mm-hmm. a a mentorship pool using the platform. Nice. Uh, and I, I, you know, worked on the talent acquisition team there to to support kind of uh, any any of our learning and instructional designers to some of our, um, you know, tech uh, folks who would be designing that platform. Wow. 
So you've been in the learning and development world from the get-go. And um, I think specializing in organizational psychology, I'm sure um, you can apply that in a very different angle to learning and development. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, uh, 100%. And I actually was just having a conversation with a colleague yesterday who also has uh, a degree in in IO Psych. And we work in different areas of HR, but it's interesting Mm -hmm. on how you take that information that you learn and distill it down into the area um, of HR that you end up working in. Um, So for learning, um, what's really important is that we kind of get to the root cause and that we're addressing those root causes. And so much of of the solutions that I um, ultimately will will, um, implement and recommend to the business are are firmly rooted in um, my IO psych background. and the, the number one thing for me that I always think about is is teams build trust, right? And so we want to make sure that we are uh, putting our teams in positions where they trust each other. They're they're all um, there working towards the same goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, right, that ties back into making sure that we're aligning people to the to the to uh, the business or or the organization's um, you know strategy. Oh, sweet. So. I've got to ask you this. <laughs> Two years ago, the pandemic hit, everyone went home, right? Um, yeah. No more in-person meetings, no more um, office space. How did you manage learning and development? Like it's it's traditionally considered, um, especially when you have like leadership uh, interactions and L&D from a leadership perspective, you need that one-on-one interaction. Um, what changed and how did how did uh, you pivot in, in in the way that you approached the problem? Um, well, I think like many people, we first had to acknowledge the fact that we were not no longer in person. And, and many of our programs that we were designing at that point were designed to be in person. So um, the first thing we had to do is really just kind of reassure people that we were going to continue to um, provide them with with you know, the, the offerings that, that we had already discussed. And we, we initially did a few just manager uh, kind of uh, coaching sessions, right? How am I going to make sure that I'm staying on top of my team? Um, or, or some of my managers have never, who they've never had to uh, kind of uh, manage a team that wasn't all sitting in the same location or wasn't all sitting in their office. So I think the, the first phase of that was really just making sure that the managers had enough support to be able to lead effectively and to manage their teams um, and, and, and providing them with those, uh, with those opportunities to connect in with us. Um, and then, you know, we just shifted many of our programs to virtual, um, you know, for better or for worse, we we made it work in, in the first year, but I think there were there were a lot of lessons learned that we pulled out from the first year that we were able to implement in our second year. And and one program in particular um, is a program where we are providing um, mid level talent access to senior levels, and so we were able to uh, you know foster some of those connections uh, through Zoom in, in ways that we hadn't done. Um, in the past because we were able to get everyone together, uh, but we still were able to kind of set up these one-on-one conversations with senior leaders for, for mid-level folks. And um, 
yeah, I, I think, you know, in a way that that was, it was more impactful one-on-one than it was in, in the networking setting that we had designed for our in-person sessions where everyone's there at once. So, you know, I think we, there's a lot of, of pivoting that needed to happen immediately and shifting and, and, and canceling and, and all of those sorts of things. But I, I think, you know, we, we were able to get into a groove, um, uh, and and really make the most of it for for the following year. And I will say, in 2022, and, and we're already you know um, past the half point of the year, many of our programs are still virtual. You know, we haven't completely shifted back to in person. So we're we're slowly making our way there. And I think by next year we'll see more of the in-person mechanics. But there's still there's still lingering effects from from us shifting to virtual. Um, and and we'll need to give a good think to whether or not we we keep some of these programs virtual. Are they more effective that way? And which ones do we want to bring back in person? And how do we make those impactful for our learners? So yeah, I, I think you know we're still facing those challenges on a daily basis, but but we certainly have um, some some best practices that we've pulled from earlier in the game that that we are putting into play now. Hey, that's awesome to hear. Um... I do want to touch upon technology integration and technology adoption at this point in time, because when we move from in-person to virtual, um, that's a fundamental aspect. And um, a lot of times, change is not something that comes easy to a lot of people. And so adoption is very, very slow. Um, Was that something you noticed during this period? Or was it like, hey, this, it's, you know, it's, now the norm, therefore, you have to do it kind of, did you have any kind of resistance? Because um, I've read up about cases where um, um, even I was talking to another uh, another guest and he was telling me legacy systems that were there, they were able to phase out because of what happened in the pandemic and they were able to streamline a lot of things from a technology perspective, which helped them out um, and sped up a lot of the processes that they were trying to, but, you know, wasn't happening, right? Um, did you guys kind of see that kind of happening within the organizational structure at any point in time? So there were certainly some legacy platforms that we were using that were phased out. So I'd say, yes. Um, I think like most organizations, there was there was a heavy focus and, and a heavy shift to Zoom, given its functionality, given um, how streamlined it was. So, so we did, we were able to move to that uh, pretty quickly, um, and and phase out some of those legacy uh, uh, platforms, um, and then I think you know connectivity broadly has has changed, and um, you know I think again like many organizations, Microsoft Teams has been something that's been um, up and coming within the organization, and so we're, we're really kind of shifting a lot of our uh, interactions um, through through that platform as well. Got it, and. Um... So adoption basically took place quite seamlessly in in that sense. Yeah, I, I'd say it happened pretty quickly. There wasn't any major resistance. I think people were looking for opportunities and looking for ways to connect. Um, and so I think anything that we were able to provide, people were, were, were happy to, to engage with. Awesome. Awesome. Um, what would you have said is the biggest challenge that um, the learning and development um, 
department, for want of a better word, I'm using that, uh, faced during this migration? Um, I think it's it's you know not not unique to the situation, but I, I think the number one issue that I continue to see is the amount of programs, the amount of uh, intervention, the amount of initiatives that members of the business want. And I think that there's a, there's a steady increase, especially during the pandemic of, you know, how can we be engaging this group and how can we be supporting that group? And, you know, for a team where we're, where we're trying to make sure that we're keeping our priorities straight, it's, it's, we want to take into consideration. We want to hear from the business, of course. Um, but it's, it's a matter of how do we now reprioritize what it is that we should be focused on? And are we addressing this in the moment? And are we, um, or are, is this something that needs to be rolled into, uh, into our, our larger strategy? And so for that, we really wanted to make sure that we partnered with our other uh, HR uh, team members, right? So our general uh, HR journalists and our HR advisors um, to, to get a sense for what else can we be doing to support people in the short term? And uh, how can we also be thinking about if, if these are uh, longer term needs, how do we get these integrated into our overall strategy? Right. Um, an unfortunate after effect of the pandemic was definitely the great resignation um, slash the great migration. I mean, um, people, you know, what satisfied them prior to the pandemic is not what's basically making them tick today. Um, it's it's a difficult problem to address. And I, I completely understand that um, like priorities changed for a lot of people. Everyone really sat back and thought, okay, this is a pandemic and this is probably the uh, the, the, the only pandemic in, the in this generation, right? Uh, for a lot of people. Um, how do we manage it? How do we, how do we, um, look after our employees at this critical juncture. Uh, I'm sure you guys had a lot of stuff happening. And, um, you know, just before we got on this podcast, you were also sharing a bit about it. Um, I think it would benefit the listeners to go down that path on how um, the industry has changed and, and is still continuing to change and adopt, uh, adapt to this um, uh, new normal, so to speak. Sure, I'm happy to talk about that. And I think you know, again, with 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 uh, with our team, I don't think there's anything unique here in the sense of what um, what what we're seeing um, inside. I think you know, there's been a big focus on: Do I need to come to the office five days a week, and can I be working from home um, some days or or all all the days? And there, there's been great effort to determine which roles are hybrid and which roles are are, are um, permanently remote, and how we can uh, how we can best you know be working together regardless of where we're located. So that's been important. Um, I think also people have have been looking at how much time do I want to spend at work. Um, I now recognize and I now understand what it's like to not have a four-hour commute every day to and from work. Um, do, do I want to give that up now that, I, now that I know how much time I get from it? 
Um, and so that's important to, 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 to take a look at as well. Of course, there, there are the, the common things like compensation and all of that, all of that stuff. And, um, we, we, you know, I think that that's, that's beyond my scope, but I, I will say the one thing that I've been really focused on as we, as we think about this, this is how do we keep our employees engaged? And that's going to be really important because, um, we want to make sure that our employees feel valued. We want to make sure that their contributions are noted and, and recognized. And I think that's just as important as addressing many of those other concerns that, that don't just span um, city, but span, you know, many, many organizations. And so, you know, trying to figure out what are some of the best ways that we do that, speaking with leaders to understand and speaking to colleagues to understand where their challenges lie or, or what are some of the things that they value that's really important for us. And then how do we design solutions that's going to address those needs? It's going to be really important. Um, and so I, I think, you know, uh, personally, um, really it, it's hearing from our employees and understanding what's important to them and making sure that that is the message that, that we, that we push forward. Right. So ultimately keep your ear out on the field, see what the pulse of the, uh, or the culture that, and again, I want to go back to the organizational culture as, as, as an organization that would have drastically shifted as well. Um, understand from that and then take steps forward um, and make policies and rewrite policies and create best practices out of um, all of that in order to keep the business goals uh, that we need to achieve at the top of our mind, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, and the pulse is so important. Um, and and once you get that information, I think it's really important that you address what you hear, whether or not you're able to change everything. And I think, you know, there, there, there are certainly things that we are in control of and that, that we're not in control of. But even if you aren't able to address everything, acknowledging the responses is so, so important for employees. So they feel hurt and so they feel like, you know, what, what they're going through matters. And I think that's just as important and valuable to employee and to, to employees as the, the, the solutions themselves. Right, right. Um, coming back to learning and development, um, what's the uh, change or in terms of percentage of, I mean, I know that there are certain in-person um, sessions that need to be done, some that will remain virtual. And those are those are things that are, that are happening and, you know, it's not finalized, not set in stone. But uh, what's the generic drift that you see happening across the board? Like, is it like a 50-50 split or is is it going back to, um, hey, we need an 80-20 favoring uh, in person? How, how do you see that trend um, forming? Because I, I believe we're still in that formation stage. I don't think we've kind of like come to the, uh, you know, saying, okay, this is probably what it's going to be like. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, for for us, we are certainly more of the 80-20, 80 virtual, 20 in person. But I think that slowly we're going to start to move that. So it'll be 30% in person, 40, 50, 60. I wouldn't say more than that, though. I think there has been a lot of lessons learned of, do we need to bring people in person for this? 
And in one particular example, you know, we ran a program where we were able to um, expand the program outside of outside of our region and into other regions and get everyone on the same page because we moved to virtual. And so, you know, in those cases, I think that's, you know, the assessment's going to be so important. What are, what are the things that we've been able to accomplish because of virtual and, and, and will we lose that as a result of moving to in-person? And then I think there are some, you know, especially with our leadership development programs, we want to bring people in person and, and the, the ability to connect with colleagues that you don't directly work with on a daily basis and develop some skills together, build that network is is just as much value as the content. And so we, we would want to, to get those back in person as, as quickly as possible. So I think, you know, what's really, what's really important is it, we're definitely seeing a shift to, to things moving into uh, in-person more and more, but I think the assessment around what has, what has really flourished uh, during this time um, and how do we keep those alive as well? Right, right. All right. We've been, we've been diving into um, a lot of heavy stuff here. Um, I want to take two steps back and focus a bit more on you as an individual. Um, so, um, like, what's your favorite hobby as a person? I mean, uh, and, and again, to my, for the listeners, I'm just going to explain this out. Um, I love to ask my guests um, about themselves because... They're also just as human as you or me. And, and especially when it comes to human resources, um, everyone assumes that, you know, they're, uh, they're superhuman. They don't have their own requirements or they don't have their own talents and, uh, you know, all those other aspects that make us so human. And so I, I love to humanize the person that I'm talking to. And so that's the fundamental reason I'm asking these questions. So uh, coming back to you, Kevin, um, what's your favorite hobby? Sure. Um, I'm actually a really big foodie. I love food. I love oh, wow. looking at pictures of food. I will cook food. I'm always trying to find, um, you know, great tasting food in restaurants. And, um, you know, I, I joke with my friends, I will go to a five-star restaurant or I will go to a cart, a street, you know, a street cart. Street cart corner, yeah. And if they both have amazing food, I will go to both of them. So mm -hmm. it, it really, it really doesn't matter to me as long as, yeah. you know, there's, there's, um, you know, the quality of, of the, of the food is, is what I'm looking for. Right. And I've, 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 you know, been able to, despite some of the challenges that the pandemic has brought, I've been able to expand, um, my my kind of horizons around the different types of cuisines that I've been been engaged in, and of oh, course wow. there was that period where lockdown and we weren't really able to go out, and that was a great time for me to just experiment and try new different types of recipes and and food. And um, I actually picked up a recipe for Japanese curry that I am am still obsessed with um, <laughs> during that time. Um, so, awesome. Awesome. And what's your favorite cuisine, if I may ask? You know, that's an interesting one. I I'd say I I'm definitely very very much into uh, kind of Japanese uh, uh, food, um, but really anything um, from that side of, of, of the the earth. So so um, 
nice. Korean food as well, and uh, Chinese food and Vietnamese food. Um, and and there's so many combinations and fusions um, for, in that in that area that there's there's really so much to try. East Asian, basically. Exactly. <laughs> sweet, sweet, awesome. Um, do you play any games, by the way? I do, I do. I um, so on my on my downtime when I'm not eating or working, I um, am a really big fan of Japanese role playing games. So. Um, some big titles that you might know of final fantasy kingdom right. Hearts, star ocean those types of games oh wow um, and i think for me it's the 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 kind of blend between story and the depth of characters to the kind of magic and 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 fairies and uh, dragons and uh, you know things that are a little bit more fantasy based that i that I enjoy. So it makes it for a, you know, a great storytelling experience, but also kind of a magical adventure um, to, to, to kind of take us out of the day-to-day life that, that we find ourselves in. Yep. Totally. And I, I, I think I can so see you combining both of this, um, your profession and this hobby, uh, I mean, this gaming hobby and creating something that's going to enable learning and development. I mean, I can so see that happening. <laughs> I think it slips in. Yeah, I, I <laughs> it, it definitely makes its way. It may it makes its way into and food as well. Um, makes yep. its way into into the way that I that I look at, um, you know, designing programs. Oh wow, that's 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 actually quite interesting. So you're you're actually taking a lot of the learnings that you have from day-to-day life and you're infusing that into your programs and what you're trying to do to get teams to work together. Exactly. And I think every opportunity, every instance of connectivity is an opportunity to learn more about the way that people work. Um, I, I think right. there was a, you know, there, there would have been a point a few years ago where I'd be like, okay, we need to try this and it needs to look exactly this way. And this is the way that it looks in textbooks. So we need to do it this way in, in the organization. Mm-hmm. And and you realize that that doesn't work, right? And we need to yeah. understand people. We need to understand the challenges that people are facing and Correct. how that impacts the way that they work, the way that they think, the way that they're, um, you know, going to adapt to change um, or adversity in their roles and take that into consideration as well. We need the full person um, because as, as you mentioned, and as we, as we discuss, um, they're not just their job and yeah. they're, they're a full person as well. And if there's challenges that's going on at home, that's going to bleed into the way that I'm looking at work. Um, right. And if there's challenges at work, that's going to bleed into um, things that are going on in my personal life. And so um, understanding that and being able to, to, you know, connect with the person themselves. And I, I find, you know, as one of the most enjoyable parts of my job is the coaching conversations and just learning more mm. about how people got to this point in their career and what their challenges have been and right. you know, what, you know, what they face in their personal life, positive and negative. And that gives me so much context when I'm talking and I'm looking at a report, you know, we use, we use Hogan and I'm looking at their Hogan report and I see, you know, a scale that seems off to me. And, 
and and I get all this additional detail that that the report doesn't capture, and it it, it just contextualizes um, the person and individual, and and then it, I'm able to provide more guidance on here are some things that you might want to start to implement into your practice um, on on the day to day, but the the connectivity is there and, and so important, um, and I think you know the same can be said about the depth of, of food and the depth of, of the characters in the games that I, that I am, you know, very engaged with, yep. you know, things, things may seem one way and then appear that way on the surface. And as you dig mm-hmm. more and you understand more of what's going on, you get so the true. picture. So true. So true. Yeah. So, um, I love the way that you, you're actually infusing technology. You're infusing everything that's happening on a day-to-day basis, but, um, I, I want to dive back into our conversation specific to learning and development, and HR and, um, technology applications that kind of help you to achieve what you're trying to do on ground. Uh, I mean, uh, at your office, um, and at work, um, specifically from the point of, uh, employee engagement tools, right? Um, how, how did that, uh, or how did, how does that factor into how you, um, you know, create your engagement programs and how you, uh, set up your delivery and things like that? Because ultimately technology is here to stay where we've adopted it. Um, somehow, I mean, it just depends what it is, what tool. That, so is it Teams or is it Zoom? Is it, um, uh, Slack or is it, I mean, in this case, again, teams, <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, how does that factor in and how have you kind of, um, taken that and made a best practice out of it? If I can even ask that question. Yeah. I think, I think the key here, it's going to be managers. Managers are going to be the, the, you know, for lack of a better phrase, the, the representatives of the organization, they're going right. to kind of define your journey at and your job and your career while you're working with them. And so a lot of our efforts have been focused on the manager population. How do we get mm. them upskilled on using some of these technology tools? How do we get them upskilled in understanding how to, um, to connect with their member, the members of their teams? How do we get them upskilled on helping people navigate their careers? And so, you know, so much of that goes in and, and to, where we see, where we see, um, you know, how employees are engaged with 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 the with the organization and and, and with their jobs, um, and so you know we've designed a, we've designed workshops that are uh, specifically aligned to how they build engagement and how they build that connectivity with members of their team, and and similar to what we what we talked about earlier, um, how do we get them to connect with the person as a as a whole or right? as as what's going on outside of work as well. Right, and then how do we get them to understand what the employee is passionate about, what they're in, what they're most interested in, what they you know aren't so fond of in their role, and what are some of the things that they'd like to be doing in the future, and then how do we give them the opportunity to connect to to those things that that's going to lead to them growing, and whether right. that be laterally or whether that be upward within the organization. Um, it's it's understanding those the their their desires and understanding their values and their passions and and how we connect them to that. And then on the technology side, really, it's just the enablement, right? 
if right. managers are, are, are using these tools and they're integrating and they're interacting and engaging with their teams through these platforms, that's going to create the behaviors that employees are going to want to check teams to figure out where the documents are. Or they're going to want to check um, um, teams to uh, you know send out that communication instead of sending an email. Or they recognize that I'm not going to um, I'm not going to set up a call um, and, and call via audio. I'm going to set this up on Zoom and we can get everyone um, kind of on the same on, on the same place. So as, uh, I think, you know, focusing on that manager population is so important uh, right. to, to the overall engagement of, of our employees. So true. So true. Um, when it comes to upskilling managers, I completely get that. But what do you think is the future of SaaS in L&D as a, as a tool that will enable L&D to grow? Sure. Um, you know, I think it's how do we continue to integrate this into our pre-existing solutions? Um, mm-hmm. So, of course, as you might imagine, we use an LMS. Um, right. But how do we make the experience within an LMS more aligned to um, the learner's needs? And, and let's face it, right? everyone's strapped for time these days at work. And so am I going to spend, am I going to spend two, three hours trying to navigate through an LMS, finding online courses for myself right. to upskill? Or um, is there an opportunity for the LMS to be, um, you know, more like some of the everyday tools that we use, um, like a Google, right? Or an Amazon where you look at something and it recommends to you, um, you know, here's something else that you might like, um, or here's something based on what you're doing, um, uh, based on what you're doing, what you're, what we're seeing that might be a good fit for you. Um, and so there's definitely been strides from, from our team to, to start to integrate those types of, of solutions with, within our system. Um, and then again, right. And with, with combination to our legacy programs or programs that are already pre-existing, um, it's how do we make sure that we are continuing the learning process outside of the classroom? So some of that asynchronous learning using um, using these platforms. So whether that be something as simple as a, as a video that we send out two weeks, three weeks after a program that reinforces a, 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 you know, a piece of content that we discussed during our workshop, maybe that's an option, right? Um, how do we... Uh, continue to provide people with articles um, before workshop to get them to get them in this in the right headspace for, for us to have our conversation um, and, and maybe that's an option um, and the way that those tools are integrated into their day-to-day because I think if we start to pull them out of the tools and the and the platforms they're using on a regular basis it's not going to be as easy to adapt but it, it's how how do we put them in places and, and areas where they're already looking, they're already using, and so it's not going to be hard for them to, to uh, uh, you know, start to engage um, with learning in that way. Um, and, and there's been a lot of, of, of uh, progress that the team has been able to make in, that, in those areas. Right. So it's, it's not unlearning everything you have and then relearning it on a new tool or enabling it, but it's more of integrating what they have, making micro changes um, in order to enable a larger, more effective and efficient learning uh, process. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Right. Awesome. Well, um, Kevin, 
I think that brings us to the conclusion of our um, show today. Um, from the Human Capital Show and the team here, we just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us and taking the time to talk about uh, HR, specifically learning and development. Love the fact that you're a foodie. Um, would love to taste your food sometime. <laughs> just kidding. But uh, um, thank you so much for sharing who you are as well uh, innately and how you integrate your day to day you know, influences into your work as well in order to become uh, more productive and a better and more efficient person. So we just want to wish you the very best uh, and thank you so much. Thank you again, Ben. Really enjoyed uh, spending the time with you today. And um, I, I really do hope that uh, for for those who are listening and, and for those who are kind of working in a very similar space that you're able to glean um, some insight that will help you in your practice. Awesome. Thank you so much. Liked this podcast? Then what are you waiting for? Subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media and don't miss another episode. Join us next week. Same time, same place. This show is brought to you by Zumio.